Welcome to Is This Working? The tools we use to work have changed drastically, but how we work hasn't. In this podcast, we explore how we can make work work better for us. We're your hosts, me, Anna Codrado, and me, Tiffany Philippou. Each week, we challenge conventional views about work by taking on topics like mental health, productivity, office culture, and even what the modern way of working means for our relationships. This isn't about the future of work. This is about what's happening in work right now. This episode of Is This Working is brought to you by Worksum. Discover and hire the best freelance talent in the UK. Highly skilled and on site. This week, we're talking about burnout. Is modern work to blame or could it be the cure? Anna, have you ever been burnt out? I have. Well, I think I have. So I used to work in New York a couple of years ago and I went through this period where I was tired all of the time, like seriously tired, kind of, I think you could almost kind of classify it as exhaustion. So it would take all of my energy to get myself up in the morning, to get to work, drag myself through the day, somehow manage to get myself home. And then I, all I would have the energy for is lying on the sofa and falling asleep at 7 p.m. There was actually even a case where someone came around for dinner and I fell asleep on the sofa um, during like this friend being around at my house for dinner. Anyway, I during this time I was also super irritable and having constant existential crises, usually around 3 p.m., Monday through Friday. And I felt like I was never satisfied or happy with my, where my career was and with my job. But at the same time, I had, I was almost paralyzed to do anything about it. So on a Sunday night, when the existential crisis would be at its worst, I would make a plan of all of the places I would want to send some freelance pitches to or I'd kind of cook up plans of how I could do a more ambitious project in my current role and sort of tell myself that I need to do these things in order to sort of get myself out of this but then just would not have the motivation to execute those things at all which is kind of in complete contrast to sort of where I like who I am now where I have an idea and it's kind of it will take sort of wild horses to stop me from actually following through on it um anyway also I kind of started developing like a real cynicism towards my employer and sort of I don't know just feeling really really negative about you know and also not no one really specific just sort of this faceless entity of a company uh I would just I was just getting increasingly more and more um just feeling more just feeling super negative towards towards the company basically anyway now I look back on this and having read Anne Helen Peterson's article on burnout on the, the piece that went viral her BuzzFeed article I have retroactively diagnosed myself with burnout because um, when you look through the definition of burnout which the World Health Organization has recently 
put a statement out defining what burnout is. They say, burnout is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. It is characterized by three definitions. Feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion. Tick. Increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job. Very much big tick. Reduced personal efficiency. Huge tick. So this is the thing is that when I was experiencing this, I didn't know it was burnout. And also granted, my experience predates the language we've used to define burnout. But now I look back on it, I, I feel very certain that, that that was classic burnout. It feels like everyone's talking about burnout right now. And what I suspect is happening is the Anne Hetland Peterson BuzzFeed article went viral because everyone now had a definition for what this was. What I found really interesting about your story is you refer to the crises happening at Monday to Friday at 3 p.m. and at its worst on Sunday night. So essentially what you're saying is this is connected to workplace environment. Can you tell me more about that? Well, so this was the thing is that I didn't think it was, I I could somehow concluded that it must be something to do with work because as I was sitting there in the office, it was getting worse. And it wasn't just a case that, oh, there's something kind of happening in my life that's causing this and and I concluded that it it wasn't something like depression or anything like that which we can kind of go into the the different definitions of burnout and depression but I did get the impression that work was causing it but and I think I've kind of talked about this before I'd internalized that well surely this must be me surely I must have done something wrong or I've I'm not fit to work in an office environment or whatever it might be but yes to your point I definitely noticed this pattern that as the workday went on, my mood just kind of started taking such a downward, such a such a nosedive. And the Sunday night blues were such a real thing for me. It almost was kind of getting to the point where I wasn't, it would get to a Friday afternoon and I'd already be stressing that Sunday was just two days away. So that's how I started linking it to it being a work-related issue. And the other thing you said was you began to feel quite negatively towards your company. And what I've also noticed with burnout, it's a lot to do with disengagement. And that is a bit of a cause. So it's not just like I have too much work. There's a bit of disengagement. What do you think caused that for you? I'm not even fully sure because, I mean, this is the thing is that burnout is not as straightforward as I have too much work it's something more to do with how you feel about how how you feel about the work you're doing and the quality of your work and whether you feel like you're being recognized for it so I guess I didn't feel like I was truly part of a wider vision or that I didn't fit into the culture and there was something it definitely sort of triggered all of those feelings that I would have as a kid about sort of not feeling like I fit in anywhere and ultimately you know we do live in a time where work culture is something that's kind of really like shoved down our throats and you know anytime especially if you go and work for I'm sure you can attest to this if you try and go and work for any startup you know being a cultural fit and sort of getting on board with the mission and you know drinking the Kool-Aid basically is is something that's pretty much on any job description and then when you don't really feel like you fit in 
you just start feeling like exactly as you said just really disengaged and you just sort of and again for me it, I internalize that as well I'm I'm the problem I'm the misfit I'm the one who doesn't fit in here and what about since going self-employed have you felt burnout since then I don't think I felt burnout I've definitely felt very stressed I mean I will say this until I'm blue in the face that freelancing is in no way a solution to workplace to sort of office-based problems or problems that you have in traditional employment uh it's not for everyone and the I think my volume of work has hugely increased since I've been working for myself but so has my enjoyment and I think that partly because I'm freelance I'm able to build in structures where I can manage my stress better than I had done when I worked for companies but also I guess I just I personally just feel more professionally fulfilled working for myself because it works better for me and my personality type and my lifestyle but that is not to say that I have completely removed all of the stresses if anything I have new stresses I mean you know having to pay you know getting your head around your tax bill and your pensions and all of these things that's a whole new type of stress it's a whole new type of stress when you just even getting used to the fact that you don't have a regular income and that you just have to think about every everything you ever learn in an office you have to kind of unlearn it and 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 all of this is stressful but it is not I don't have this um sort of lack of energy or um kind of like you know i'm not falling asleep on the sofa at 8 p.m anymore you sure are not <laughs> um this leads us really nicely on to our next bit where we're going to be talking about burnout and we're going to be asking is modern work to blame for burnout modern work to blame for burnout let's talk about what's being said about burnout it feels like it's everywhere yeah so like i mentioned before Anne helen peterson's article on buzzfeed how millennials became the burnout generation is really what propelled this conversation and like you mentioned earlier essentially gave us a vocabulary to talk about it there was something i just wanted to read just a couple of sentences from her article which I think really kind of encapsulate this whole issue why was I burned out because I was working all the time why was I working all the time because everything in my life from a young age had told me that I should be when you read that Tiffany what was your response to it what I really liked about it is it got to the real heart of the issue because I think people get a bit distracted about what burnout's really about. And I think it comes from that ingrained relationship with work that has been drilled into us from a very young age. And what I thought was interesting is her article talked a lot about how it played out with her not being able to run errands and almost everyone trying to optimize everything. And 
I think the way it related to so many people just goes to show how widespread the problem really is. And the fact that she's diagnosed it as this integral ingrained issue goes to show that it's a very universal problem. It's not about just being in a bad work culture or having one bad boss. And I think that's super interesting as well. There's also been so much discussion about the role that social media plays in perpetuating burnout essentially because not only are you always on and there is this expectation because of social media to be constantly posting updates and then also be getting that feedback and the likes and the validation for what you're doing in your life but now we've also seen social media morph into the work world as well and I saw someone joking on Instagram the other day that their Instagram feed is basically their CV now um, and that they haven't posted a picture of their friends in ages which it kind of gave me pause because I've realized that I do that some you know the only the only friend I post on Instagram is you basically in the context of this podcast so there is this kind of pressure that you can't you physically unlike our parents generation you can't you physically cannot leave work in the office it is with you in your pocket all the time and in way more in more insidious ways than just having you know I don't have my email notifications on my phone but when I look at Instagram now for me because I follow so many sort of freelance accounts and other freelancers even if I'm just trying to sort of mindlessly scroll on Instagram I'm constantly confronted with people doing work and I can't help but internalize some of that and think oh god am I not am I not working hard enough and you know all of that kind of stuff it's interesting though because I think for me what really sticks out about burnout is that disengagement or not feeling like you're getting back what you put in because I've certainly worked too much or whatever you want to call it but I've not had burnout and I think the difference is is I was given quite a lot of acclaim or responsibility Mm. and was in such small early stage startup teams I think it's a very different thing well yeah I mean that completely resonates with me now as I just said previously that I have a higher work my volume my work volume is so much larger than it's ever been but I don't feel burned out and um something that I came across that really kind of resonated with me was a definition of burnout by, uh, I call her a YouTube therapist. I mean, she is actually a licensed therapist who happens to have a YouTube channel. Her name is Katie Morton. And she talks about how burnout occurs when the reward we get from our careers is not enough to make up for the effort we put into it. So in that respect, you can kind of think of your, you can kind of think of burnout as a, like a balance scale. And if you haven't, if you're not getting enough, if you're not getting the same thing out of work that you've put into it, it completely throws everything off kilter. And that's when you feel burnt out. And from my own experience, that has definitely happened because I, I wasn't stressed because I had too much work. I was stressed because I didn't feel like I was getting enough recognition for the work I was doing, or I was just not essentially finding that work rewarding in however I'd sort of come up with that definition whereas now it's the opposite I've got so much more work on but I feel so much more engaged in the work and I feel so much more rewarded by the work I do and I imagine it was something similar for you when you when you work for startups where you were getting you were, you were getting recognized yes and I think 
I think it also back to the social media example. If you're self-employed and need to promote your business or whatever, and you're posting on social media all the time, but you're not getting back what you want from it, or it doesn't have a purpose, you do it because you feel like you should and you're not actually good at it, that can also cause burnout as well. All that disengagement, I suppose. So it's all about trying to manage why we're doing things, whether you're giving get, and what recognition you're looking for and why you're doing something, instead of falling to that pressure of, oh, I've got to do everything I have to show everything on social media because I don't find social media very stressful at all. But I also just post when I feel like it or have something to say. I don't feel like, oh, I've got to do it every day. And so I don't get disengaged by it. And I think it's putting pressure on yourself, isn't it? You've never felt stressed by social media, I don't think, because I remember years ago when I would still go on Facebook, this was, I think we were in university or something. And you you said you just don't you don't you never really engaged in kind of like stalking people on Facebook so um and you spent more time looking at your own profile than other people's oh that is true actually do you know what I like doing is scrolling through my Instagram and like thinking about my past (laughs) but um apart from my narcissism um it's interesting because actually the other thing that makes me a bit different is I've never had a work phone separate from my personal phone and I actually don't really believe in work-life balance or really separating them that much and you would think that would mean that I'm a workaholic and always on but actually it's because I believe in having work that fits into your life and doesn't invade it and doesn't stress you out so obviously doing this podcast I might whatsapp you at 11 p.m about it I hope that doesn't stress you out you know it does not stress me out (laughs) because yeah it doesn't stress me out because also in the same time I I just I don't check my phone after 10 p.m. anyway and I know that you can wait till the morning to hear back from me so well yeah but I think this actually brings up another issue though because uh, if you do have bosses who do stress you out because obviously everyone can't work with me (laughs) (laughs) if only (laughs) um but and they want your attention and they are aggressive about it you do need to set your own boundaries so if you are in a situation where you can't just work for yourself or you are a bit disengaged and you're not in the position to change that yet, you do need to set your own boundaries. You have got to turn off your phone. You've got to turn off snooze on Slack. And you just, it's almost like an abusive relationship. You know, you hear about stalkers that they keep texting you and they keep texting you or they keep ringing you. And then eventually you cave and reply and or answer and they know how many times it takes to get you. That's bad bosses for you. I mean, I, I I have often seen examples of people who work in a situation where it's just so toxic and it, you you wouldn't put up with that kind of thing in a relationship. So why would you put up with it in a professional context? But this is the thing because I do wonder there's a lot of conversation around how burnout is positioned as in a millennial affliction. And while I think there's lots of truth to that, I think what's more interesting is that this is actually really a conversation about mental health and how in many ways we still have quite a long way to go to better understand the nuances of mental well-being and mental illnesses. The, just the fact that the World Health Organization hasn't even really come to a definitive conclusion as to whether this is a 
whether this sort of falls under the mental health umbrella or whether this is something separate and the fact that YouTube therapists are covering this and talking about it. I mean, it's quite clear to me that you can't have a conversation about burnout without talking about mental health. Absolutely. And I think that it's really good that we've created the language for something so related to work, because I think for too long, we've been trying to separate this work and this life concepts but actually work is the main not most important but it's often the way you spend the most hours apart from being asleep hopefully and well I think for some people it's not some people yeah yeah, it's their main thing so it's of course it's going to play a huge role in your mental health and well-being and I think it's really exciting that we are beginning to look at that and really evaluate what have we created in our society where work can impact our mental health to such an extent yeah I mean I see I see burnout basically as a red flag of what happens when you pin too much of your identity on work and then you start to feel really undervalued absolutely I could not agree more that leads us nicely into the final bit of today's show where we ask what can we do to prevent burnout Is your company having problems finding the right talent? There's no talent shortage in the freelance economy. Discover and hire the best freelance talent in the UK with Worksum. Powered by cutting edge AI, Worksum gives you access to curated local freelancers and consultants. Take your pick from thousands of highly skilled freelancers and consultants within IT, project management, design, and many more. Just tell Worksum what you need and when, and then sit back as the AI finds the best freelancers for you. With Worksum, finding top talent just got easy. Visit worksum.co.uk to find out more. That's w-o-r-k-s-o-m-e.co.uk. So what can we do to prevent burnout? I read a book about burnout, which was called The Secret to Solving the Stress Cycle by Emily and Amelia Nagoski. And what I found really interesting, this is at the beginning of the book, is it talks about stressor versus stresses. So that's the cause of stress and eliminating what's causing the problem versus dealing with the feelings of stress. So essentially meditate all you like if you hate your job and hate yourself you're not going to cure your burnout I mean I think we should get that printed on (laughs) t-shirts could you give me a live example of how that might play out in a workplace situation so I think in a workplace situation it's about so the dealing with the feelings of stress might be some of the things we've touched upon e.g setting boundaries turning off the phone self-care But separate from that is really confronting the issue, like what we discussed with your story at the beginning about why am I feeling negatively towards this company? 
what does this mean about what I'm trying, what I actually want to do with my life? Because what was happening is there was a little monster inside you who wanted to come out and set up all your cool freelance amazing things that you're doing now. And it was a frustrated monster drug, you know, exhausting you. It's true. I mean, that's the thing is I think you need to, and it's so hard to do in the moment. Like, let's acknowledge that. It's so hard to do in the moment. But I wasn't listening to what, as you say, a monster inside me um, was trying to tell me. I wasn't trying to get at what is actually making me unhappy and what are some ways that I can solve it. And like I said, that doesn't necessarily have to mean quitting your job. You know, it can be as simple as, it can also, what I, I mean, let's be real. What I should have really done is gone to my boss and said, look, I'm I'm struggling. But I think what I was really finding hard is I didn't even realize fully that it was basically all to do with work. But yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a really key thing is listen, use your feelings as a directive rather than a data point and try to follow them to their logical conclusion, which is the actual cause of the stress. I also think a practical thing you can do is because what it comes down to if you're burnt out because you're working all the time and work is your whole life, but you're disengaged by it, that is an awful feeling. And if you can find a way, literally, whether it's like join a choir and go to it once a week or go a pottery class or something where you can explore your identity separate from your work and don't tell me you don't have time for it. <laughs> Listen to the first episode. <laughs> One small thing and the difference just creating a tiny bit of space for something new in your life that's not related to work is the beginning of playing with an identity beyond your work. And I think that's a really important first step. You as a human are so much more than this job right now. And I think related to that, another real key reason to start developing interests outside of work is is it comes down to this something that I also really beat my drum about quite a lot is setting boundaries and I know that it's easier said than done and you do need a certain amount of confidence in in order to do that especially if essentially the boundary you're setting is telling people no and maybe you're new to a job or maybe you're new to freelancing or maybe you're early in your career and it's really really hard to pluck up the courage to do that but it is so important because I really do think that boundaries are the cheapest and most effective form of self-care by having clear lines you protect yourself and your energy and I'm just always here for a good boundary I also believe bosses should lead by example so I actually have oh a positive anecdote from startup land and that, I think that might, be, that might be a first on the podcast <laughs> so one of the founders had a rule that every one it was always a Tuesday he had to leave early and it was completely non-negotiable no matter what was happening in the company um he clocked off early on Tuesday How that early? was this evening I mean probably like five or six p.m <laughs> but um you could you would not dare say oh can we actually chat after you know you wouldn't send him anything blah blah and that sends the message that okay fine I mean that's probably when everyone else should go home anyway but it sends a message that you are allowed to have something that's so sacred to you that's more than this and that's a really good message to send and also if you have something booked e.g pottery class can you tell I quite want to do a pottery class as someone who recently did one (laughs) I'm just copying you um but uh if you have something in the diary you cannot miss I think that's really important 
And if you are in a position of management, definitely do unto others. So I'm going to undo my positive startup anecdote with a negative one because I wrote an article for Sifted about Slack productivity and I spoke to founders and they were like, oh, well, when I message my team on a Sunday, they know that they don't have to reply. And I'm like, they don't know, like they don't. And that's bullshit. You're being lazy because you want to get the thought out of your head. And if you are in any sort of management position, do be mindful because junior people do struggle to set boundaries and it's your responsibility to A, lead by example and B, learn that Google Mail now has schedule send. I mean, I completely agree. I think it's really egregious that more people don't understand that there is the boomerang function or the schedule later function in Gmail. And, and I'm sure there are the equivalent in Microsoft. And I do understand why people want to set, write their emails on a Sunday. I do it. I find that Sunday afternoon is actually quite a good time to be in your inbox when typically other people aren't really messaging you and it's a good time to write an email but just schedule it to send at 8:30 or 9am on Monday it's especially if you don't expect the reply anyway absolutely and if you don't know how to use technology you can write a list of on your notes over the list of things that you want to ask the people that you need to ask and then just put it all together and ask them all in one go at a later date it's it's that laziness about wanting to push your stress along and I think often it trickles down from the top so if your boss is stressed by their boss and blah 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 but someone needs to break the wheel hopefully hopefully that'll be us no and but it's it's true I mean it's that thing of it's one thing to say that mental health days are available to your team. It's another thing as a manager to take a mental health day and take it publicly and tell your team that you're not coming to work because you're taking a mental health day. It's it's the difference between lip service and actually walking the walk. That's totally right. But what about when you work for yourself? So you have to set your own example because we do, burnout does happen within the gig economy. I think if you work for yourself, you have to be, you have to do that tricky thing where you are playing both boss and employee at the same time. And you have to really prioritize time off and both in terms of holiday and sort of time off from work. Something that you can do, which I think I myself need to be better at is at the beginning of the year, actually planning your holidays and actually sitting or whenever it doesn't have to be at the beginning of the year at some point sit down and go through your calendar and mark out times that you're going to take off even if that doesn't mean you actually go on holiday but actually put days in your calendar kind of like your example of the uh the boss at your old startup who had an unmovable appointment you can do that for yourself when you work for yourself you can you can put block out time in your calendar as you know some kind of sacred time and even if that is just sitting on your sofa for half an hour and reading a book every other day that is that's a really good boundary there that you've set and that's a really easy and quick way to essentially to enforce a bit of time off which I know that makes it sound like it's not fun but it might be something that you need to think about doing for sure and that's very much a good way to deal with the stresses which is the feelings of stress and i think how to good how good way to deal with the stressor is to assess 
take a step back, assess all the work you're doing and identify what might be the cause of you feeling disengaged about it. So we do have bad clients. I actually got rid of a client because he was what he was WhatsApping me like 24 seven. I was a bit like, you know, get a girlfriend. But, <laughs> but, um, but uh, I was, I re- kind of, I removed that stress of him. But then I also suddenly thought it was actually work it was a type of work I didn't want to be doing and I'd taken that job because I thought I needed the money and again we will have to often do work we don't want to do when you've got various income streams and clients but suddenly when you're like this, this is an example of those two things happening at once but it is important to take time out and assess why did I become self-employed? What do I want to achieve? How am I going to achieve it? And do I have to take on some things I don't want to do to get there? That's fine, but that's all. I'm not going to put myself into it. So really assess your your purpose, isn't it? It is. And it sounds so woo-woo, but it's so important to kind of be really clear on why you're doing this work in the first place but then also from a really practical point of view you can do an exercise in you know writing out a decision tree so you can make a list of questions which have sort of a yes no answer and or or a checklist or, or, or some kind of method basically for assessing projects as they come in and if they don't meet that minimum requirement you don't have to do them because that's kind of why you're freelancing in the first place um but what else can we be doing to to be preventing burnout sort of more generally i do think redefining success as we've discussed in an earlier episode is really important you don't have to be the best and you don't have to push yourself and kill yourself for a job that you're disengaged with and this is where I get really, this is my message to the world, but we do only have one life. And the other thing as well is it's really important to spend time with loved ones. And that is far more important than any work you could do. And just to remind yourself what life's really about, what does success look like? And hopefully just find a bit more meaning outside of the office. I think that is a really beautiful note to end this podcast on. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for listening.